Welcome to Reels on the Rocks, the show where your hosts, Whiskey and Sweet Tea, discuss film from the unpretentious perspective. Today's topic, the hugely popular and highly influential sci-fi action film, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. And as always, please be advised, spoilers are ahead. Welcome back to Reels on the Rocks. Hey, hey, we are hey. definitely whiskey and sweet tea. <laughs> and Wolfie is just fine, everybody. Oh my gosh. And if you could let us know where the location of John or Sarah Connor is, please tweet us. <laughs> but seriously, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Obviously, it's Terminator 2. Uh, Judgment maybe we Day. Maybe have been replaced by Terminators. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. But if we have been, we look amazing. Awesome. So this is another one of my picks. Uh, I picked this for a couple reasons. The the big, I mean, so the the theme of the month is blockbusters. Uh, blockbusters, and this is a movie that Sweet Tea has never seen. So I kind of wanted to end that. Uh, and I feel like this is one that most of you have probably seen. So it won't matter that we're spoiling the heck out of it. It's a fun movie to talk to. It's su- or a talk about. It's super influential. It's kind of a huge tentpole tentpole movie for the 90s um and fun we'll start off with this uh one thing i like to do that's kind of fun is in the year that you were born uh like list off the highest grossing film of the year you were born the best picture of the year you were born and the disney movie that came out the year you were born so for me it's terminator 2 was the highest grossing Best picture was Silence of the Lambs. Yes. And the Disney film that came out was Beauty and the Beast. How about you, Sweet Tea? Oh, my God. Uh, I'm not... I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> let me let me just double check. 1995. Yeah, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me... It's just... The year I was born... Oh, God. Forrest Gump was best picture. While you're looking it up, my sister has a pretty good year, too. So for her, highest grossing is Batman, Tim Burton's Batman. For best picture, it was Rain Man. And for her Disney film, it was The Little Mermaid. So let's so yeah I don't know. it's it's a fun thing and you can add movies to it I just feel like these three are always kind of a fun indicator of what was going on in the year you were born so the year that I was born the highest grossing film was Die Hard with a Vengeance um and I'm looking ahead for what won Best Picture 1996 because that would have been the year I guess I think that was Fargo I might be wrong but I think that was Fargo uh 1996. Uh, cause I, cause I'm looking at based on what movies were, what movies that were nominated that were playing the year I was born. Um, so it looks like best picture. It looks like it was Braveheart. Bryce Bright. Oh yeah, you're right. No. So yeah, Fargo came out in 96, but it was, it won the year after, yeah. I think so. Cause if, cause if we went, but yeah, so you got Braveheart and the, Die Hard with a Vengeance and, and Disney movies. That was highest. Gro- the highest grossing that's was number one. I, that's, that's, that's wild to me too. And yeah, that's a good, I mean, I like that one, but I'm surprised that was the highest grossing of that year. I, and then for Disney, Disney film in 96, uh, I think yours was, well, oh, I know this, uh, cause I, uh, I dated someone your age. It's, um, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, I love the Hunchback of Notre Dame. So, yeah, so you got a good year. So, okay. Well, okay. But anyway, the so back is, to the film, yeah. back to the highest grossing film of my birthday year. 
this was a huge movie, obviously. So it its budget was 102 million, which is crazy for the time. That's actually a really high budget. Um, it grossed 520 million uh, and 205 million in the U.S. So it was printed money. Wide gross of, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but this, uh, like, and we'll get into this. Uh, as it goes but this this movie was ridiculously influential um oscar wise it was nominated for six oscars and won four of them it were best sound best sound effects best visual effects and best makeup effects it lost best cinematography to jfk and it lost best editing to jfk which i mean cinematography i i don't know i haven't seen jfk so I oh my god! Probably do that, this... but I'm kind of thinking that it probably should have won those two. It's uh, it's a huge technical movie. Like oh, yeah. I, I talk about technical Oscars before, uh, and this is what I'm talking about: a movie that might not be high art, so to speak, but is technically perfect. So like all of the the moving parts to the movie are very well executed, mm-hmm. whether it's the special effects or the sound or the cinematography, like anything that's uh you know much more on the less like creative well i don't want to say creative because cinematography and editing can be really creative but something that's a lot more um has to do with the technology of film that sort of thing and that's where james cameron has always been sort of ahead of the curve like directors i feel like are the interesting thing about directors to me is they're all good at something you know uh like Tim Burton is very big on like visual, like he's, he's a really talented artist. He can draw really well. So he has a lot of like very cool, uh, art design in his movies. You've got, uh, like Hal Ashby was an editor for years before he started making his movies. Um, you've got, you know, all sorts of different things. And James Cameron, I mean, he started out as a matte painter for filmmakers like, uh, roger corman and stuff like that he he started on the technical end of things doing like very like blue collar work for his films when he makes them always have a big technical achievement to them like for instance avatar was shot using a 3d camera he helped create and most of the the film was actually done in motion capture which had been used for stuff like lord of the rings but like the the way that he used it was so ahead of its time that now it's like his 3d camera and the motion capture he used was like standard. And that was the thing too. Like, I think his was the first time motion capture used lasers to scan the face. Like before that you had a bunch of little balls glued to your face that would be, (laughs) you know, captured. So he, that's what he's good at. Like whether you think his movies are like high art or not, he's always been at the center of new technology and filmmaking and this obviously was kind of the movie that popularized CGI. It was not the film that started CGI. Even like looking back at Disney as early as 1980, I believe, in The Black Cauldron, mm-hmm. that actually had a, a computer generated image in it. Um, so it wasn't the first one to use this sort of technology, but it was the one that actually made it become the new sort of go-to technology for special effects in Hollywood. And uh, just two years after this came out, uh, Jurassic Park actually used CGI for its dinosaurs when up until this movie came out, they were actually using stop-motion animation for their dinosaurs. Wow. 
I don't know if you knew that, but I this didn't. movie, they were in the middle of making Jurassic Park. And when this movie came out, they were like, we need to scrap all of this and use, and they used uh, Industrial Light and Magic, which is George Lucas's yeah. company, ILM for short. Uh, they were the ones that did the CGI for this. And after that happened, uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg called them up and was like, hi, uh, we need this kind of technology for our, our dinosaurs. Um, and so that actually led to that. And actually both of these movies used so for practical effects, uh, like whenever there's like a Terminator robot, that's not a uh, CGI, like anything that's like a physical makeup or, you know, animatronic or something. They actually use Stan Winston studios, which was kind of the big practical effects studio of the time. I think they might've been the ones behind the, the effects of the thing. I'd have to look that up, but, mm -hmm. uh, they're big, like they they were like the the big industry people. So they did the robot dinosaurs, the animatronic dinosaurs for Jurassic Park, and they did all of the like machines in this movie that weren't CGI. And then ILM did the CGI for both of the movies. So Jurassic Park and this movie have all of the same people working on the special <laughs> effects. Oh, when all the greats come together. <laughs> Right. Like, so this to say that this was uh, influential is like such an understatement. This is the film that popularized CGI, much to the chagrin of a lot of people who liked, you know, Stan Winston and all the people doing practical effects. But uh, I'll get into it later in the review. But there's some non CGI effects that are actually pretty cool. Um, and that's the thing with this movie, too. I feel like maybe some people who either haven't seen the movie in a long time or just kind of remember it differently think that everything was cgi in this movie mm -hmm. and that's really not the case kind of the same way with uh jurassic park there was cgi dinosaurs but there were also these really impressive animatronic dinosaurs and it's the same thing with this and james cameron especially really knows how to mix special effects because it's the same thing in titanic it's like there was cgi in that film but there were also real sets yeah like when rose and jack are running from the water flooding like that is a set and the water is flooding. Right. And also James Cameron was very keen on making sure the water was freezing cold so that, you know, anytime they were like shivering, it's like they weren't acting like he made it ice cold so that they would be like feeling what characters should be feeling. I feel like some actors um, unions would have some issues with that nowadays. <laughs> maybe, but you don't you don't argue with James Cameron. It's like you take the job. Or, and and that's the thing too. He's he's got a he's got a reputation for having a bit of a temper, from what I understand. But no one has ever said he was like abusive on set. He was always professional. Like he he never like yelled at actors or anything like that. He was he's he's just very like one one minded when he's making the movie. It's I like have always heard to... I have always heard that he's just he's somebody that you wouldn't want to work with. You do because he has a great mind, but you wouldn't if you didn't have to. You wouldn't want to work with him. That's how I've always heard it phrased. Would you like? Is it someone who's worked with him? Yeah, or it, basically, is it... it's people who've worked under him, like not the celebrities, but like okay. But you know, essentially, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, the Matt painters, the the the. the, the I got gotcha. you. I had I had a friend who worked as a PA for him during summers. Mm -hmm. And she said, he, like, he had a temper, but she said she didn't hate working for him. Okay. Uh, he just kind of had, like, 
maybe yeah. he's gotten Again, better. You, you did not want to piss him off. That was true. Like you did not want to get on his bad side, but he was never like needlessly cruel to people. Right. <laughs> At least that's what she said. And again, like the actors who've worked with him and crew and stuff like that, I've never heard anyone say he's, he's like abusive or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I've never worked with him. Uh, and tempers are high on sets man <laughs> like even even the best uh filmmakers have their have their moments um, right well and you know maybe because i this all probably this thing this broke a while ago so it's possible he's just kind of just learned to properly channel whatever he's feeling and now it's just he just gets upset and that's it i don't again we don't know what's going on i just i've just that's just what i've just heard around the other thing i've heard is that he's very hands-on like if there is a problem oh, yeah. like he's in there doing it instead of telling someone well, to and do that it, makes you know sense. I mean? and i think that comes from the fact that he used to be a crew member yeah so it's like sense. if there is a problem with the set like he knows how to fix it yeah and stuff like that and it kind of goes with like i'm not joking when i say he invented the 3d camera that avatar was shot with oh yeah like that movie was in pre-production for nine years because he was working with tech like tech companies to make a new type of camera like that is what that is james cameron in a nutshell like if the technology doesn't exist for his movie to be made he will invent the new technology so that it's possible to be made um one of these days and that's he will get, he, james cameron will become sentient and destroy us all just kidding <laughs> he is a term he's a movie terminator oh, right he was sent back in time by cyberdyne to make movies um but but uh so going into this i know you were you've always been kind of hesitant to see this movie and i just wanted to push you in the deep end of the pool but <laughs> yeah, what did thanks. what did you think of it so, so okay so a couple things uh so i had never seen this movie in full i found out later what i was watching i had seen scenes just off and on um but so and and i'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase this i did not hate this movie and th- my issues with the movie are not the movie's fault um my issue with it is it unfortunately became so successful and so, as you said, influential that literally every scene in this movie I had seen parodied or referenced or remade somehow. And so it was kind of like the entire movie. I knew what was going to happen next because it, like I said, it became so successful that I essentially had seen the movie in its entirety, but through a diff other different pieces. So, you know what I mean? So there was no suspense for me. Does that make sense? It's, it's a trouble with a lot of really popular movies. Like I'm a star Wars fan and it's hard to find someone who doesn't know the big twist in empire. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was actually fortunate enough to, uh, show this to someone who lived so deep under a rock that they had never seen anything about it. Um, and I told them nothing about the movie other than, oh, it's Terminator 2. So there are two Terminators. And so when I was watching this film with someone, the bit where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the other Terminator are cornering uh, John Car- uh, uh, John Connor and uh, Arnold says, get down, and then pulls out the shotgun and shoots the other Terminator. The person I was watching this with literally gasped and went, what? <laughs> <laughs> because they thought the whole like point was that there were going to be two terminators going after john connor and so when it turned out one of them was protecting john connor they were 
literally so like it's one of those things where if you're lucky enough to show this to someone who has no idea what it's about it's very good at like getting you pumped you know what i mean yeah and it's and, and i actually i i'm kicking myself for not having done this this week i meant to look up the theatrical trailer because i think that was actually kept secret until the movie came so, out so i think that was actually supposed to be like I, a, a, a surprise to everyone who went to see the I movie because I, I think it was marketed it. as oh there are two terminators now going after him well and, and i then think when that happened and i think because again i watched and i told you i was gonna have to watch with my family because they're huge fans of this movie um and so yeah they told they that would they did confirm that they were like that was the big thing on this movie is you is in that moment you realize oh there's a good one this time okay um, so i'm not crazy no you're not that, 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 confirming that for yes. me okay and that's genius that is such a cool because imagine especially if you were a fan of the first movie and you see the bad guy in the first movie is now the good guy in the set like right. i can only imagine i was i actually hadn't been born yet when this movie came out but i could imagine being like a 13 year old boy going to see this and just being so excited being like oh my god there's two terminators fighting each other yeah <laughs> that whole first scene, though, you um, know who I felt bad for? That poor guy who was just sipping his Pepsi. He was probably oh, the one. Yeah, he was gets... probably on his way to to his stupid job at Hot Dog on a Stick. Yeah. Well, that was another thing. Now that you've seen it, I can say this, but like, because I know one of the things that kind of bothers you with these types of movies is all of the collateral damage yeah. with innocent people. But another thing, I don't know if may, it, they kind of make a point of it about halfway through the movie. So yes. you did notice. I, and but, as soon uh, as the I Terminator saw, that as soon as I the saw hero I, does not hurt anyone who is innocent. Like he does attack those bikers at the beginning of the movie, but it's sort of like implied that they probably weren't exactly innocent people. And no one I mean, actually dies. No, none of them dies. But and as soon as I saw him make that deal with the guy, I'm like, this is why whiskey was like, I think you'll like this one. Exactly. The soon the the bit I'm talking about halfway through where John Connor's like, "Don't kill anyone." After you he know, gets like, him that's to a, kill that's someone, an order from I me. Like, oh my god, it, kid! Right. Um, even though I think I, that scene is so funny to me because at first he's like, "Haha, you're calling me a dipshit." Why don't you punch this guy? Like, it's so funny to me. He's being such a little jerk. Yeah. And then as soon as the Terminator's doing what he does, the kid's like, no, don't kill him. It's like, you're the one who did that. Like, yeah. you're the one. Like, what'd you think was you know, going to happen? In th that, yeah, scene, so I, that scene kind of gave me flashbacks to, um, oh, what, the, what was the one that just came out? I think it was Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom or something. And we have the <sighs> ending where that girl releases dinosaurs to the po on the population and I'm just like, you stupid child. What did you just do? Dude, that line she says is the funniest because she, she finds out she was a clone and it's like, they're just like me. I was, <laughs> no, like, I oh, watched boy, that. You just, I watched that. And then I was talking with somebody else about that scene and they're like, oh no, it's supposed to show that she, and I'm like, no, she's an idiot. She released dinosaurs under the population. That's not okay. Yeah, whoever, and somebody whoever. else finally pointed out to this guy. No, we hate her for that. She sucks. I was going to say, whoever you were talking to is defending that. It must be like a fanboy of that movie because that was... I was laughing my ass off when I saw that movie because of how... Exactly what you're saying. It's like, she is just ruined 
multiple ecosystems around the world just yeah. because <laughs> she felt bad for oh my god although i will say i hated that movie but it did set up for a really cool sequel that's supposed to be coming out in the next year because the idea of the third one being like oh dinosaurs have been released and they've repopulated and now it's just normal to see dinosaurs around well that is such a cool idea that is for a sequel, actually so i'm excited for that i will tell you I, when i was a kid like five, six, seven. I think I saw parts of Jurassic Park for the first time. I actually had a dream about that. I had a dream that dinosaurs were normal and like when they would walk by, the stuff would fall off our walls and that irritated me. <laughs> I was like, I've had that dream. What you just got back? I've had that dream. But going back, but so I will, I will say, and that is something that made this film easier to deal with is the lack of collateral damage um the collateral damage is caused by the villain and it's a pretty hate like the the terminator uh t1000 the upgraded version in this one is so scary the uh he's and partly because he can change shape mm -hmm. um you know like ooh, what a what a creepy monster you know and that was kind of the thing like james cameron had the idea for this monster and so that's where he's like we need something that doesn't exist yet uh what oh computer generated images what can they do oh it's a form of animation you know and he worked with them like oh this is exactly what i want and i want it to look like this and stuff like that so like that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about where he has an idea and he's like, I need technology to catch up with me. Um, I think in the entire so movie, because of him, I think in the entire, oh, I'm sorry. I was got lost in my train. Oh of thought, no, you're but fine. I was, I think in the entire no, movie and I, I'm only going to keep going back to this is such a big deal for me. There's only, I only counted like four collateral fatalities. Oh, I'm sorry. Five. Cause there was that guy at the mall. Uh, there was that trucker at the end. Um, then there was his foster parents. I know his foster parents are set up to kind of be like bad people, but because we really only- They were just jerks. Well, they weren't bad people. I know, but- They were just sort of like- But we also only get also, that- But also, John was being a- John was being a shithead too, Yeah, so, so that's I, like... I was kind of like, he's not exactly a reliable narrator there when he's telling people they're, they're obnoxious. And this kid's over here embezzling money from banks, so- who's really the villain here <laughs> yeah so like and that too i don't think john wanted them to die yeah like i mean that was kind of you know it just the terminator that was its thing like oh i lost him let's go so back i will okay i do i do need to do full disclosure here because like i said i've seen parts i've seen like very brief scenes of this throughout the year so i knew the scene with the parents i did fast forward that 30 seconds i'm like i don't want to see that uh, did you end up watching because I said you did not need to see the first one and I still maintain that anyone who hasn't seen the first Terminator who's listening to this even though we spoiled a big chunk of it already <laughs> like if, if if you're still thinking of seeing this movie you do not need to see the first Terminator Sarah Connor is kind enough to basically explain the first movie in yes. the first five minutes yeah. and then you're off and running like this essentially is almost like this like there's a couple of ways to do sequels there's either the bigger sequel there's the one where you take the characters from the first movie and put them in a situation that just sort of expands on their characters or there's the type of sequel where you take the character like like this is like indiana jones where you just put them in a similar sort of predicament it's it's like remaking the first movie like another example would be like uh, home alone 2 where it's the same movie again 
Uh, so this this sequel is like the bigger version that I was talking about, where you take the same premise as the first movie, but just make it bigger. Well, but it you also know, it um, gave it a twist too. There's a the, the, the... exactly there is a twist as well, but like pretty much like this. I, if I I usually recommend this instead of the first one because you don't need to have seen the first one and this does everything the first one did but better. Uh, I would say if you like this movie, the first one's worth checking out because you do miss out on a few things. Like I don't know if you know this because uh, you said you did not watch the first one in preparation. For no, this, I did right? not. I, I went straight to this. So, one, yeah. so one of the interesting things that is in the first movie that. Uh, like I'm sure you were wondering where John Connor's father is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She explains that. That it was a guy from the future. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I guess did, she probably does. I I did. I I do have some questions when we get to it about the timeline. The timeline is a little weird to me. Uh, it's a time travel movie. Yeah. It never like a lot of smarter movies have talked about this, but there's no such thing as a time travel movie that makes a hundred percent sense. Right. You know, it doesn't there's matter just... if it's Back to the Future. It doesn't matter if it's this. It doesn't matter if it's um whatever like in fact rick and morty of all things is made because <laughs> since since it's referencing doc and marty like always rick and morty fans were like do a time travel episode and justin roiland and dan Harmon both are like no uh it's just asking for trouble because it's like it just confuses things it makes like the story more convoluted and stuff and you haven't seen any of the newer terminator movies i but saw it is, a, it is a mess it is an absolute mess <laughs> because every time it like that's the thing like so this one it was all about like avoiding judgment day mm -hmm. in the next movie that you haven't seen yet you find out that judgment day hasn't stopped it's just been postponed to a later date but how so there's it's like, literally well, no then technology nothing mattered. left I'm, that's that's was the part that was baffling to me. So we have the inventor is dead. We have they've destroyed all the information that they had. Essentially, once they threw that final chip in there, the other Terminators should have disappeared. Yep. Well, I mean, so the and then they're like, oh, well, well I'm no, still because because no, 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 because that was the point. Is uh, Arnold had a chip in him, but he the, but the he arm... wouldn't have been invented because everything would have been destroyed. Not until he destroyed himself, because until he destroyed himself, there was another chip in him. So until he melted himself, someone could have like gotten a chip from him at a future date. And you know what I mean? I, okay. The time travel movies, when they're movies that where you have to actually know the timeline, they make my head hurt. Like back. They to, make you back actually hilariously. I was watching the second uh, Austin Powers movie recently, <laughs> and they made it. They made a joke about that where it's like they're explaining how the time travel works, and Austin Powers goes cross-eyed trying to think about it. <laughs> and it's there you go. Like that is what I mean when I say like people like time travel movies don't take it too seriously. The the movie Looper straight up like bruce willis is like just don't think about it too hard <laughs> like, it's like it's it I, there's a reason like i don't even think time travel literally could be possible if we traveled at the speed of light because i think it would just destroy reality like nothing it, it's so dangerous that it would just ruin everything right so yeah like but anyway like the logic is that like as long as arnold like the inventor the inventor only knew about the technology because he found the chip from the robot in the first movie. Mm -hmm. And Arnold is the same robot as the robot in the first movie. So he had a chip in him. 
Okay. So the idea is even though they destroyed the chip, another scientist could, like, you know, if they somehow crushed Arnold to death or somehow made it so that he stopped working, another scientist could find him and remove his chip and then it would start all over again. So speaking of this whole thing, so essentially there shouldn't be another, a, a, basically a third Terminator movie shouldn't even be possible. Because the guy, who, exactly. the guy who came up with the concept is dead. All of his research is destroyed. There are no chips for anybody to reference. So how did they keep the saga going? Like, like, what, like, is it Terminator Three? If only we hadn't destroyed the chip. It keeps changing its mind. It's a franchise, and that's the thing. James Cameron has not touched the fran. Like he, he, he basically is like, yeah, whatever, do whatever you want. But he has not made a new Terminator movie himself since Terminator Two because he knew this is it. This is all I can do with this concept. So every it's 20th Century Fox, and now Disney owns Terminator. So who knows what they're gonna do? But 20th Century Fox, for the entire time they had the IP. It was just them desperately trying to revive interest in it, but making the story more complicated. Uh, what, the one, I think it was called Terminator Genesis, they had a twist where John Connor was a Terminator made out of nano machines. Uh-huh. Think about that. Think about how confusing that is. Like, wait, what? So, like, and it's, it's a mess. Like, that's the thing. And that's part of the reason this is, like, where the franchise should have ended is because if you try and expand on it anymore it becomes so ludicrous that it just well, makes no sense. There was a, there was... And, and if you're curious, the premise of Terminator 3 is, as I said, no matter what you do, Judgment Day is always going to come. It's like set in stone. There, It's like fate. So there is a new Terminator that's even more advanced than the T-1000 that gets sent back, and the Terminators have given up on Sarah and John Connor, and now they're killing off all of the generals that serve under John Connor. So they're just going to all these random people and killing them because in the future they're going to be like like the big commanders that fight against the Terminators. Wait, but see, and then John Connor gets wind of it. And then he's, he, another Arnold Schwarzenegger is sent back to be his bodyguard. And the two of them team up to like stop the new Terminator. But it's just like a rehash of Terminator two, but with a weaker story. That's it. But that's how that makes no sense to me because they wouldn't, exist pure ah. and that is why terminator has been dying ever since the second one so because, basically again, james you, cameron he didn't even purposefully he, he knew he just he knew that he couldn't outdo this movie so he's he, like if it were up to him there would be no more terminator movies because he knew like this is the best it's gonna get with this premise like you can't keep changing time without it getting completely stupid so he he bowed out like he's like hey you know you guys own it like i'll i'll stay on as a producer or whatever but i have nothing to do with these essentially there Um, was it's like i mean it's kind of like imagine if they tried to make like a titanic sequel that movie is like how how would they technically they technically did it's called titanic (laughs) 2 It's on another oh fated ship that wanted to tempt fate, and they called it Titanic, but it takes place in the modern day. But it, it, it's off. It's really but, bad. But it wasn't. It wasn't made by James Cameron. It wasn't. But I, th- I actually, I think it was 20th Century Fox. But it's, it's just bad. It's really. That's bad. That's pretty pathetic. If it was. Um. No, I was gonna bring something up actually about that, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Um. So, because I know you said that you don't need to see the first one to appreciate this one and but this one though i have noticed because i because I, I i have seen over the years i look stuff up that they have um this is considered i think the eighth greatest sci-fi film ever made the first one's not even on the list 
but it's recognized. I'm by, down with that. It's recognized with the A, for by the AFI is that. And I know uh, for those of you that are international, the AFI is the American Film Institute. They te- they usually only rank American made movies, so they're not saying overall, but it I just. A frame of reference to how uh, influential this film is is that it has then I believe it's also been selected for preservation uh, by the National Film Registry as oh, well. Oh, for sure. There's no question. It like this movie's never gonna go away. Like, so, this is such a big. Do you know? Um, and, do you know what the X Files tie-in is? No, actually. So the X Files was on forever. At the end of season seven, uh, David Duchovny left the show as a regular. Um, but you know, they needed to have some sort of dynamic there. So they brought on another agent by the name of Doggett and he is played by Robert Patrick. So, so he is, so when I was watching this, I was just like, Oh, look, it's agent Doggett. Oh, his facial expressions didn't change really from anything else. Yeah, man. Um, Oh, you, you never got to experience this. I bet, uh, somewhat on topic, but uh, it doesn't exist anymore, but Universal Studios used to have a Terminator attraction. Mm-hmm. It was a 3D movie thing, but what I thought was so cool about it was that it had live actors. So, like, really? a Terminator literally came out of the screen and, like, was fighting, like, in the audience and stuff on top of the 3D. And that just made it so much cooler. Like, I always love attractions that actually involve, like, human and so, it's, it's like the Jungle Cruise at Disney. Like this, this the ride isn't that spectacular, but the skippers make it the best thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and it got replaced with the Despicable Me ride. And I don't want to <laughs> hate on kids. I don't want to hate on a kids ride, but I'm always like, couldn't you guys have done the same thing at least? Like, I don't care if it's like a kids thing, but couldn't you have like done like a sort of 3D movie live thing instead of it just being another motion simulator ride? Yeah. Well, motion but, simulators uh, are cheaper over time for them to do. I know, but so are 3D movies, you know, like obviously, yeah, you got to hire people to like act out and stuff, but it was very cool to like, it felt really real. And I I wish, I wish it was still around so you could experience it because it was really awesome and I miss it a lot. Is is it like an actual replacement or is it like what Disney did with the Guardians of the Galaxy ride where they just kind of. It's a full blown, like they demolished the old thing. Like it's, it's in the same location. And I think. I mean, like, they're both kind of 3D movies. Like, it's... it, eh. They did demolish it. Like, it, there's no remnants of the old one, which is what's sad. Uh, and I understand. It's like Terminator wasn't relevant anymore. It's just, again, it wasn't so much that it was Terminator. It was it was the way the attraction was Worked, made yeah. that made it so cool. Well, but, you know, uh, the, haunted, <laughs> the Haunted Mansion at Disney used to have actors in it, too. Instead of it just being the animatronic, I guess when it first launched, but they stopped because people were getting freaked out and attacking the actors. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I did hear that. That was, like, really early, though. That was, like, the yeah. first few weeks of it being open. But back um, on topic, I, one of the things I want to talk about, sure. and I know this is sacrilege, and I know people are going to be upset about this, is at least in this movie, the character of Sarah Connor, she got on my nerves. Like, interesting. Like, at least, like, John was an obnoxious kid at the beginning, but he kind of gets his act together when he realizes the stakes. And Sarah, through no fault of her own, really, but the way she, what she made, she, she would make things unnecessarily difficult for everybody else <laughs> in there. Like, when she's trying, like, the first time that I had an issue with her, and it really didn't matter. 
because she was going to escape anyway. But when they, and they'd already said, we're not going to let you out. We think you're just acting or whatever. And then she decides, oh, okay, the best course of action then to attack the doctor. That'll make me get out. Not in six months. There was that, there was the way she, when she was, um, when they were escaping the hospital and she was, she, she was shooting and it's like she couldn't hit anything there was just there was just stuff just about her in this movie that just irritated me and i know everybody's be like she's such an important character she's no she is and maybe this i don't know if it was just because i've only seen her in this but the fact that they had to go back and get her she was kind of an extra side piece basically the character of sarah at this point is essentially from my understanding is basically irrelevant now that john's born um it's so the fact that they kept trying to protect her and do it for her really just got on my nerves because i was like we don't just ditch her kick her to the curb we don't need her anymore she's basically slowing you down um and then well sweetie i i I guess i need to tell you this but men only want one thing and it's disgusting oh my god and it's sarah connor and terminator 2 (laughs) (laughs) but um no she's like she's well first off they saved her because john wanted to save his mom yeah and i think he felt kind of guilty because she thought she was crazy because of course you're gonna think that she's crazy if she's talking about killer robots from the future but um and that's the other thing too like i know what you mean it's also frustrating when she goes off to kill the guy by himself but it's like she is so paranoid and traumatized by the first movie yeah that it's like this is how you would act if if a killer robot were sent back to kill you you would lose your damn mind you know and it's like like she she obviously wasn't actually crazy or delusional but like yeah. she was very paranoid because the thing about terminators they always look like arnold in the movies but the idea is that they could look like anyone mm-hmm. for what i guess because arnold was everyone's favorite they kept making the terminators look like arnold but the point is that anyone could be a terminator and i think that's also why they, you know, changed it to the T-1000 and got a different actor was like, oh, we don't want it to always be Arnold. Like, maybe we could, we could have a shapeshifter well, or something. You know, what's um, it, but, and, and I also think, yes, I think you'd like her a lot more in the first movie because she's not uh, a hardened badass. She is, like, a scared... She's a waitress. Minimum wage-working waitress. Yeah. Like, she, she is a classic uh, heroine, like protagonist like you could the whole hero's journey thing you could apply to sarah connor like there's the call there's all all of those you know hero with a thousand Mm -hmm. faces things you could apply to sarah connor and she's a lot more likable she's a lot less again she's not the sort of person to like curse you out or like the the big change it's a huge change from the first movie like the fact she's super buff Mm-hmm. It makes like the idea is that after the first movie, she like went to Mexico, got ripped, learned how to do all of this crazy terrorist stuff, like learning to make bombs and pick locks and all of this other stuff mm-hmm. because she was essentially living on the run, not knowing if these Terminators were going to be after her again. So she is essentially a completely new character in the second movie. You, there was something that comes up with her when she's at the hospital and as soon as it happened, I'm like, oh, God, I know why they did this. But it, to me, it came out of nowhere. Um, I know why they did it, but it came out of nowhere to me. And, it, and it, I was just like, did we need this? So when she's pretending to be sedated or whatever, and that guy licks her face, <laughs> I was like, okay, I know they did that because he's going to die soon. And they don't, they don't want us to feel bad for him. <laughs> but I was just like, yeah. I was like, that just came out of left field. <laughs> 
Um, I don't know, man. There's there's a lot of reports of abuse in nursing homes and mental well, hospitals there is, in but... morgues. Like uh, any any sort of like position where you can abuse your power, there's going to be creeps. And actually, uh, maybe we'll ta- tackle this film in the future. But you know, it kind of reminds me of scene from Kill Bill Volume One that takes that that and makes it worse. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's not like an unusual thing, but yeah, you're definitely right. I think it was mostly because, you know, he was going to get beaten to death by Sarah later on. And that also will make the audience feel really good. Yeah. It keeps her from coming across as like a murderer. Um, yeah, there was, and actually well, and that's the thing too. Like I, she, she kind of goes off the deep end a little bit, but she, she at the heart is, you know, she listens to John when he's like, don't kill the guy who made the Terminator show him what he did. And you know, he'll be on our side. Um, and then they do. And then he is, uh, but yeah, like that's again, like she kind of, you know, she's in a mental hospital for the wrong reasons, but she's kind of belongs there. Yeah. Just cause she has extreme PTSD. So oh, like, yeah. if she does not act rational. It's because she has like been extremely stressed for like the last 10 years or whatever. <laughs> so, Oh, and, it, it, and well, it took her, it takes her a minute to, uh, I do at least appreciate that they, they didn't make her turn uh, on realizing Arnold was the good guy. They didn't make that instantaneous. Like she goes along with it, but she still harbors some resentment. Like she makes some comment about the killers all looking like, or something. Basically, she says something. She, she says something to be shady, and I and I and I, and I, I you know it's a small thing, but I kind of like that because I was just like, okay, you know that's more realistic. Like you're still gonna be you know pretty resentful over um <laughs> over the person that caused you to be locked up forever and you know just trying to kill you i did kind of like that it was a small line but i did appreciate what it added to it absolutely uh one one so this was a fun fact i was gonna wait a little while but like so this movie is known for its cgi but uh, just like any other movie James Cameron's done, uh, there's plenty of g- cool practical effects. And this one, I uh, I actually wonder if you know. So there are a couple of instances of the T-1000 duplicating people and being next to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, that actually is not CGI. I don't know if you know this. That was but, makeup? Uh, no. Uh, so the first one instance, uh, it's not actually the T-1000, but so I don't know if you know, Linda Hamilton has a twin sister. What? She's identical. Her name's Leslie Hamilton Guerin. She is not a professional actress. Oh my God. But, uh, they have used her in some, these movies and other movies with Linda Hamilton sometimes as a double. So there's that scene where Linda Hamilton is fixing up the Terminator in a mirror um, and normally you would have to, you know, use special effects for that. But no, instead, uh, up up close near the camera is a, a body double of Arnold. Um, and then there's Linda Hamilton's sister. And then in the mirror, it's real Arnold and Linda Hamilton. And so Linda Hamilton's sister is like mirroring her. So that's that's like a thing. The other time is with that security guard who dies at the mental hospital. What, wait, which one? He has a twin. So the actor's name was Don Stanton, and the other, his brother's name's Dan Stanton. 
So when the tur- when the T1000 duplicates that security guard and then, you know, kills him by the snack machine, those are two twin brothers. That's odd. It's, you know, that just makes me uncomfortable. That's Well, that's the thing. Like it's it's kind of it's actually an old magic uh trick yeah. because I don't know if you know but the disappearing reappearing man or just like any sort of uh, like thing, it's it's common in magic to use uh, lovely assistance, quote unquote, or yourself if you have a twin for effects like that, where you need to like disappear and reappear in different places. Yeah. So it's a very old school trick, uh, and it's something I it's I've I've seen other people talk about it, but again, this is a movie where it's like oh, it's super heavy in the CGI. Not really. The the special effects shots mostly have to do with the T one thousand, but every a lot of other stuff is practical. You know, the car chases are real. Uh, the famous one in the L A river with the truck that's real. Um, you know the. But, well, I I, the I do expl- explosions and stuff. I do explain her. She's like, are there just like a whole bunch of these like things? I'm like, no. It's like one. It's like one like drainage ditch that, that is called the L A river. <laughs> right it does actually apparently so parts of times in the year it does have water in it and i actually saw a thing i forget if it was on youtube or on tv there was like there are people who kayak the the la river at certain times of the year when there's water in it and it's that's weird because (laughs) it's crazy to me that there's ever enough water for you to do that well my favorite part is that it's that it's a river because i was just like that that that's a drainage ditch what are you talking about welcome to california where we don't have any water um also like just another random fun facts about myself uh, the the mall that appears in the movie is the uh glendale galleria i was trying it's to my figure favorite out which shopping one, mall yeah i was trying to figure out which one it was and I, it's the glendale galleria the Glen- and actually it was crazy watching it this time and knowing because last time i watched it I like realized it was the Glendale Galleria and it blew my mind. And then this time watching it, knowing it was the Glendale Galleria, I was like recognizing stuff. Like when John's running from the T-1000 on his little dirt bike, I'm like, I know exactly where that is. I use that parking garage all the time. I know exactly where they shot this. It's, it's fun. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you were enlightened by the whole twin thing might be fun to even rewatch those scenes so now and be I'm just like, like oh my god and now i want to be like which one is the twin i mean obviously the one that's not that but you know i just want to i now i just want to look as close as possible to see if i can find any sort of difference at all right um well and same thing like linda hamilton's twin it's because they've used her for other like things again she's not the actress linda is but they've used her as body doubles in other movies and stuff like that. Also, don't know if you knew, but I believe it was during this movie before they got divorced, but Linda Hamilton was married to James Cameron. Oh, she was. Mm-hmm. That makes it a little saucy. I'm just... <laughs> right? I think they were still married when T2 came out. Eventually they got divorced. Um, he's had a couple of interesting wives. The other one is uh, Catherine Bigelow, fellow director. Yeah, I know her. Well, I know of her. Yeah. Um, you should check you should check her out it's funny because she does action movies too uh which you know it's funny i'm sure lots of people assume like oh a woman director probably does romance movies. Yeah. no <laughs> no man she she does like badass like action movies like in the 90s it was uh point break yeah um 
And then she did The Hurt Locker and tons of other stuff. She's actually made more movies than I've seen of hers, and I should probably check more of her stuff out. Well, but I loved... 2009 Oscars were hilarious, man. I love that they sat her directly in front of James Cameron, and then she won Best Director. <laughs> well, one of the things I wanted to bring up was... Um, what was it? And so I, I actually saw a direct kind of, or maybe an indirect reference. So, you know, you've watched Firefly, right? The series. Yeah. So I, and I was like, when I was watching this, I'm like, this can't be, this has to be a reference because this came first and Firefly came later. But I'm like, I bet you Joss is trying to reference the Terminator, the good Terminator's actions in here. Because if you look at, he always shoots people in the knee. That's that's like that's like his go-to spot to shoot people. And in Firefly, you know, there's that character that was the uh, he's a shepherd. He's basically a preacher. Uh, his name's Book. And there's been some scenes where they've been, you know, at battle in that show. And he's just over there. He's over there shooting at people. And one of the characters asks him, preacher, don't the Bible have some pretty specific things to say about killing? And he says, quite specific. It is, however, somewhat fuzzier on the subject of kneecaps. Um, so the fact that that character, I think that's, well, I think that's more than kneecapping has existed. Like that's, that's a thing you do to, uh, like disable an opponent, uh, an opponent. It's, uh, so I don't even think like, that's not a James Cameron thing either. It's like, if you're trying to incapacitate an enemy, shooting them in the kneecaps both is incredibly painful and it makes it so they can't stand up anymore. Yeah. So maybe, I, I, like, I, I feel like it, it, maybe it's a reference, but not really. But that's yeah, what I was I thinking. Like, yeah, I don't think... I doubt it. I mean, I'm sure uh, he's probably a fan of the movie. But again, it's like the same thing in Terminator 2. I don't think that... like It's he, it's a deliberate decision just because that's a thing that you would do if you wanted to prevent someone from shooting at you anymore, mm. but you didn't want to kill them. It's like the same thing as like shooting the gun out of their hand. Like, <laughs> except that's probably even worse because that can maim your hand, so you wouldn't be able to use it later. Like kneecaps, again, it it's painful. It prevents you from standing up, and it's not going to like cripple you forever, from what I understand. So it's well, it depends on how old you are. If you're kind of old, it, it depends can. on how yeah. old you are. It also, you know, it depends on other things. But I, you know, well, I really appreciated that. Um, I appreciated that he was, well, one of my favorite parts that I like is when he goes to the window, he's just blowing up all the police cars. And then at the end, he does a scan and it says casualties zero. (laughs) I was, it's like, he's just like, let me just to confirm. I just want to make sure. (laughs) Well, he has to, he's programmed to do what John says. Well, and then there was another thing. There's the only thing that, that really sort of bothered me about this movie and I want to see if it, you caught this. And it it really kind of more has to play into specific topics and problems that, that we as a society are realizing now. When the SWAT team, I guess, comes in, uh, the only character that's present is the African-American scientist, and they just open fire. And I'm like, really? That I- So it, it might actually be intentional. Um so recently within the last year james cameron came out uh after the whole protests that were going on last year and he i i almost wrote it down but i didn't know if we were ever going to like really talk about it in the review and i know we try and kind of avoid any like political hot takes or whatever Mm but he essentially said like i like i agree with what the protesters are saying it was intentional that the t-1000 took the form of a police officer 
you know, they abuse their power or something, something. I should have written down his, his little statement on it, but uh, considering he said that, assuming he's not just, you know, it was a commentary in the moment. If that is true, then what you're thinking might actually be pretty intentional. Right. Because if that was an intentional move to make the T-1000 always look like a police officer, you know, them firing on the one African-American character who also that's pretty progressive, making the scientist a black guy, you yeah. know, and not making him some sort of that makes ghetto stereotype. Like, oh, man, I'm a scientist, but I'm a cool scientist. Right. Like, no, he's, you know, that, that was also uh, something you didn't see very often. Even again, talking about Jurassic Park, it's like you did have a cool black scientist in uh, Jurassic Park. But it was Samuel Jackson, and he said things like, hold on to your butts. Oh, my God. Which is awesome. I love his character <laughs> in Jurassic Park. But, you know, a little bit more well, That makes me <laughs> more res- stereotypical. That makes you respect this movie more that that was supposed to be a commentary. And you really, when we, knowing that information, that's how he feels about certain things, and that was intentional, it's, it's almost like when he comes into the world and he takes the form of the cop it's almost as though it's you people have talked about corruption and police being like a poison that spreads uh it's kind of like that it kills off the good cop and makes you know it there's like just so much to go from with that knowing that he said that was intentional about how they abuse their power and how they do this that is all that that to me gives us like a whole nother layer of depth to it that i wasn't aware of uh well, and, uh, like, the idea of, like, using an authority figure to get access to things or uh, abuse power, it's, like, it's a scary notion. I mean, I shared with you one of my favorite movies of all time, which, you know, tweet at us or whatever if you want me to talk about this more on the show. But, like, uh, uh, The Night of the Hunter, you've yeah. got the preacher oh, yeah. character who's a murderer. Um, but everyone just takes whatever he says uh, as for granted because, oh, well, he's a preacher. He's a good man. And it's kind of the same deal. You know, these people see, like John's foster parents, you know, if, if a stranger came to their house and was asking, oh, hey, where's John? They wouldn't tell them anything. But the fact it's a police officer, yeah. it's like, ooh, uh, he must be in trouble again. Well, I don't know. He drove off. Here's a picture of him. You know, it's it's scary because it's like these, this is a, a, an authority figure you're supposed to trust, but you can't. So, um, well, there's that. And then I, I don't know where I'm from. There's a lot of, uh, former military here and people have a tendency to just take what, uh, they, what like veterans say at their word. Like there's been cases here where they've been like, well, we didn't investigate further because he was a war hero and I saw no reason to doubt his word. <laughs> That's stuff, man. I mean, like, I respect veterans, uh, but... But they're people! They can do wrong things, too. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, PTSD can lead you to do some pretty nasty things, too. Like, there's a difference between respect and, like... Loyalty. Just absolving of any responsibility. You know what I mean? Like, you're still a citizen, and at the point you are not in the military, you're a civilian now. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I respect you. I, I thank you for your service. But sorry, man. Like, if you're in a sketchy situation, you should probably be investigated, probably cooperate. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So it's – but it, I'm actually – kind of I, – I was wondering if you were going to like this movie. And it sounds like for the most part so, you did. Uh, I, I do think you – 
just based on what you said about Sarah Connor, I actually think you would like the first movie more just because I think you would find her much more relatable because she's just a normal girl. You know, she's like in her mid twenties. She's like talking about like, Oh, I wish I had a boyfriend and all these other, you know, she's normal. She's a normal woman. (laughs) And that's kind of what makes it so jarring in this movie to see her as like this unhinged badass. is it's like the, the change from the first to the second movie. Well, um, what's I, I wanted to share kind of a Terminator fact with you that um, that that's ooh. come up. It's it's kind of it's sort of a fact. It's not really a fact. It's it, it, I'll just tell you what it is. So you know, I'm a huge fan of the show The Golden Girls. Love it. Ten out of ten. <laughs> oh, you don't you don't, you don't say. <laughs> so there's an episode that they actually do where they talk about the issue of illegal immigration, and basically the one of the characters, uh, Dorothy, is teaching or tutoring a young student who turns out he's a very very young Mario Lopez, uh, but he's he turns out he's undocumented. INS comes and look for him. And she goes to find him because he always talked about how he felt the most at home in a, in a movie theater. And she goes, and he's watching this like really violent movie and she, she, and she, and she comes in cause she's trying to get him to, she's like, look, we need to figure out a way to you know get out of the safe lane. So she's talking, she's like, Oh my God, I didn't realize ripping a person's nose off would leave that big of a, a hole. She's talking about how violent this movie is. And then she, she makes comments. She's like, look, Arnold Schwarzenegger is an immigrant into this country. And so it's always been understood because of the violence and the fact that it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, that they're watching Terminator. <laughs> They never actually say Terminator because I don't think uh, I don't think it's owned by uh, ABC. It's not. It would, no, it wasn't owned by Disney yet, so they can't say Terminator, but they can describe it <laughs> and mention Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like because I don't think anything that violent even happens in the movie. This is a movie like, and same thing with the first uh, Terminator movie. These are kind of like borderline. Uh, like it, it is rightfully rated R, but this is like something I don't think is that far off. I think I saw this when I was like thirteen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like the Matrix is another one where I'm like it's R. Actually, the Matrix is one I don't even think should have been rated R. Uh, but this but this movie specifically, it's like it's one of those where I I kind of feel like it's not it's it's violent, but it's not to the point of it being like gratuitous. Yeah. Like, I think you could show this to someone a little younger and it won't disturb them. Yeah, and, and <laughs> of course... probably the most disturbing thing that happens in the movie is uh, Sarah's really scary nuke dream. Yeah. And where I, she, like, you know, gets blown into a skeleton like that. that I did scary, get I did get probably... heads up about that. I, wa- I was... Yeah. yeah. They were like, we know you don't like uh, Breakdown of Society. Will this bother you? And I'm like, no, because it does not really happening. It's a dream sequence. It should be okay. That Yeah, that was fun. That was a very interesting take. You know what it reminded me? Do you remember... I don't know if you ever watched this in school, but do you remember there was... It was when Lyndon B. Johnson was running for president. I think the second time. Oh, yeah. The, da- <laughs> the Daisy ad. Do you remember the Daisy ad? Of course. Yeah, that's... And that's like... We wa- I watched it... Uh, I watched it in my rhetoric class in... Uh in college maybe that's where i was but that was like the first thing i thought of that was like the first thing i thought of i saw it i mean it's not as graphic but it's like it's the same sort of idea um so there was there was that uh but and and, you like you said for most younger it would be fine i'm a weird case where i have this thing about collateral damage that really bothers me and unfortunately but that's the thing there's not a lot of there there really and that's why i think it was the one of the and unfortunately they reference a scene from the first one several times that i was like this is the reason why i don't watch terminator movies it's always bothered me um 
it's when the, fir- the first one I feel like that is the worst scene in the first one because he and you he, know what I'm talking the, about the famous it's the famous line I'll be back like so Sarah Connor and the guy from the future they've been running from the Terminator and they go to a police station and they're like okay we'll be safe here like or at least maybe the guy from the future is like no we're, no we won't whatever like they're hiding out in a police station it's full of cops they think like okay we'll be safe and he you know he's like i've come for sarah connor and they're like get out of here buddy and then he like looks at them and goes i'll be back and then he comes back with a bunch of guns and shoots up a police station that is probably the most collateral damage in the first and then of course they not only reference it but then they do exactly what i do they had families they had lovers they had children and i was like ah I know that's why I can't deal with this. Isn't it annoying though that they were doing that to Sarah? Yeah, it's like she was. It wasn't. Yeah, it's It's like like, she. Why do you think she's in cahoots with him? She was running. She was running from this dude. Like, and I know it's like they they know that she probably isn't in cahoots. It's like, hey, you're you're too scared to say who this man is, but it's like. it's it's just so obnoxious it's like guys she thinks even if you don't believe it's a robot she thinks it's a robot and she's told you a million times it's a robot do you ever think maybe the the scary man with the guns convinced her he was a robot (laughs) like maybe you shouldn't be trying to guilt trip her into it's so i did a mental hospital man (laughs) i did notice an inconsistency and i want you i want your i want your opinion on if it wasn't if it was intentional accidental or what there was an inconsistency on sort of the morality of the bad term terminator um and again i know he's a robot who doesn't have morality but it was to me which they happened so close together that i was just like really uh so remember he jumps on the helicopter and gets in the helicopter and then he tells the other guy to get out he gives him a chance to live basically and tells him to get out and the guy does and then later when that trucker approached him he's like oh my god are you okay he just like stabs him immediately i was like you could have like just breezed right by that guy. I think you would have been fine, sir. <laughs> and so I was just those since those scenes happened so close together. I was trying to understand what the difference in the first time as opposed to the second time, or if there was, or if there was something I missed. I, I. It's one of those things where it's like if if they had gone through another pass on the screenplay and you had been in the room to say something, it might have been worth like cutting out one of them or making one more consistent. Yeah. With the helicopter, I think it was just like they needed a cool thing to happen because part of it was like kind of it was a little bit humorous to see the dude react to the guy in liquid form go get out you yeah. know and and it's funny because he's like shocked and he just jumps out of a helicopter that's really high up yeah. because it's like oh to hell with this so that that's why it was written that way okay it's like oh here's a little kind of like goofy moment uh with the other one it's an inconsistency for sure like the thing with terminators is their machines like and you said it already like they don't have morals one way or another it's like if you tell them to do something they'll do it it's like it's like commanding your alexa at home you know yeah it's like <laughs> and we apologize to any of our listeners for just setting off your mo- your home devices <laughs> but go on yeah so it's like uh so his mission was to kill john connor that is all he is there to do mm-hmm. So, like, my my only thing to, like, explain it away would be, like, well, he's trying to get to John Connor, so, like, it's not important to kill the other person, or he's losing time trying to catch up to John Connor. 
Uh, but I do agree, like, there's inconsistencies, because it's the same thing with that other trucker that he, like, runs off the road near the end before they get to, like, the smelting factory or whatever. Yeah. Because it's like, well, why did you do that? Like, why are you trying to hit run this guy over when you should be trying to catch up to John right. and Sarah, right? So, I don't know. Um, I think with the helicopter, I know that it was just they wanted to have, like, a cool moment. Yeah. But uh, with other things... I don't know. Like also same thing with, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be thing, same thing with the foster parents, right? Yeah. Like, well, same thing with the foster parents, right? Like again, it was like to show you like, Oh, it's a Terminator and Oh, it's scary. But if you're thinking logically, like why did the Terminator kill the dad? Yeah. You know, like, was he actually annoyed by him drinking milk or like, you know, cause he's a robot. He shouldn't care. So like it's it's one of those where actually you can take yeah a lot I, of scenes I, I, and nitpick it I I I wasn't trying to because it's it's legitimately like I'm trying to understand you know the logic here because if like because I understand possibly killing the mother because he needed to get into the house or whatever and he and the dad obviously didn't know that that she was dead yet because he wouldn't be sitting there chilling drinking milk um, exactly so it's like it's like you could have literally just done the scene and had him just like roll out of there because as soon as as soon as she was like the way that John describes his parents as soon as they were like oh we miss you baby where are you and that well, also, that was like, enough for everybody to know what was up well and also it's like uh if it was a good Terminator, uh, if it was smarter than it was, the, you could have used the dad. You could have been like, John's on the phone, and then the dad gets on and actually acts normal. Yeah. And then John would be like, I don't know, man. I don't think they're dead. It's like, this sounds like my foster dad, and he could have easily tricked them into coming back. Yeah. Uh, so again, it's like, it's one of those, it's like the difference between a, a really good criticism and nitpicking and not to say that you're wrong for nitpicking. Cause again, like any movie you can sit down and, be like, well, it doesn't make sense in this thing. Like, I think a lot of it is just kind of for the effect of well, drama or something. And, you know, and like, like I oh, said, what can we do to make this look cooler? Well, and you know, like it doesn't make logical sense for the Terminator to kill some people, but it's like it's it's cinematic and cool, you know, because because why they did it was because they wanted to have her finger turn into a sword and stab him from across the room because it's scary. And I think and I think that's really interesting. I think that's the first time that we see the sword power. I think exactly. And so it's also to kind of establish that that's something it can do. Um, so like th that's the reason it happens. Like if this were reality, it wouldn't happen. Well, if way. it was reality, um, we and wouldn't that's kind have of the difference between <laughs> writing a movie that's like engaging and writing. Right. It. And that's why realism isn't, is never really a way to go about doing a movie unless that's your like, intention. right. And, and so, and like I said, I normally, I wouldn't have even noticed it if it hadn't, if those two scenes that I described hadn't happened so close together. Yeah, and also probably the fact that you have that thing about collateral yeah, damage. Yeah, most people should be like, oh, okay. sensitive to it. Like, you're like, well, why did he have to die when this person didn't have to die? Right? At, <laughs> at least my thing would be I would rather the guy in the helicopter die because he, you know, he goes into work knowing he could die. <laughs> um, now he's got a cool story about, like, dude, there's friggin liquid metal liquid guy metal. Like, jumped onto my helicopter oh you're crazy callahan why do you <laughs> telling your wild stories okay. you you jumped out of that helicopter because you were drunk and we all know we it. all know it <laughs> and so my last question is it, it really has to do again with the terminator mythology and again i'm not trying to nitpick i just legitimately have questions no, about fine. things and for all i know i might go cross-eyed trying to explain <laughs> it to you so ask away so we saw when he's frozen with nickel nitrogen, he breaks up, right? He turns into those little pieces. And obviously, as we saw earlier, it was established earlier in the movie, 
the pieces have to be within so much of each other to really absorb all, all that fun stuff. And the reason they're able to get back together is because they melt again because of the heat and they reform. So my question is, what happens when they use whatever steel is in that melting pot? Because now that's all in there and it can go from liquid back to sun. So what keeps that from reforming? I think it's the heat because um, the thing could turn into liquid at room temperature. But when you get to like heats that extreme, I think it melted whatever computers were like controlling okay. the liquid metal. Okay. It was just like hot enough to destroy it. Like, so now it's, you know, the metal is just like regular metal. I'm guessing again, like it's, 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 I don't think James Cameron or in this other screenwriter or like actual scientists, I think it was just like, well, what can kill this? God. I don't know. Volcano. <laughs> well, we're not in Hawaii, <laughs> you know. so we'll have to go to a smelting plant. It's, it's just kind of like a, if you're writing this movie, what would you think? Cause, cause like if, if it were me, I'd be like, well, I don't know the liquid nitrogen, maybe that killed, you know, like it's, it's kind of the only, the, the rules you establish. You know? I will say um, with Robert Patrick playing the bad Terminator, I really, he had the whole vacant dead eye stare down the intense oh God, dead eye so stare. Creepy. Yeah. He's creepy. So I, that's why I was like, it's, I think he was perfect to put in the X-Files. Because then it's weird because he doesn't look creepy. He because he comes in as ironically the skeptic, <laughs> and so he's just like appalled and disturbed by everything he sees. So that I just thought that was interesting to go from this to that. <laughs> yeah, I you know I don't know. I feel like probably this is a more popular opinion than I think it is. But I actually like I thought I've seen both of the Terminator. I've seen plenty of the Terminator movies, and I actually think he's the creepiest one like i didn't really find arnold that intimidating he was cool one. looking he was cool looking yeah he looked i understand why he was so popular and also like halfway through the movie when his face half his face is missing and he's got like the metal half of his face exposed like that looks really cool and everything but it's like eh, i don't know like he he never really scared me like i knew what he was capable yeah. of and that was scary but he i don't know i think also it's like he played action heroes so frequently and i'd seen so many of those movies that i was just like eh. but yeah robert patrick i think part of it is just how unassuming he is it makes it so creepy yeah. like and again the scariest thing about him isn't that he's physically imposing it's that everyone will trust him and he can get people to listen to him and like turn, you know, it's like, oh, so I, I'm a cop. So sorry, this man is uh, I, I need to take him into custody. I need to ask him a few questions and everyone will listen to him. Like that is scarier to me than a big unstoppable killing robots, like yeah. a killing robot that will do it and get away with that without drawing anyone's attention. That's so much scarier. So, to me. So I always thought he was the creepier Terminator. I think in my opinion, just if I were to go back and watch the first ones, because of what you've described, uh, Arnold's the bad guy in the first one. And yes. to me, that would be too much of a mind bend. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Now we're bad? We're bad again? <laughs> again, it's because he's a robot. Yeah. So it's whatever, like, the, the Terminator that they sent back in this one was a Terminator they Terminator napped in the future, cracked his head open and reprogrammed him. So that I was actually like... I was worried watching this. Um, I guess not really worried because, like I said, I've seen how this I've seen how it ends via references and other stuff. But I was I I actually had the question if like when the bad Terminator 
you know, severely damages him. Um, and like shoves a pole through his power supply, I guess. I was like, oh my God, what if he undoes the rewiring? <laughs> well, there you go. At least, I mean, at least that left you uh, worried enough that like, even though you thought like you knew how the movie was going to go, it left enough of a because uh, yeah, I knew <laughs> uncertainty in you that you thought, oh, maybe there's going to be like a final twist or something. So that's kind of neat. Uh, um, yeah, so I was like, I was like, oh, maybe because I know I knew about the whole thumbs up thing because yeah. I'd seen that on American Dad like at least nine times. That same thing. <laughs> I actually think one of them he melts into a bowl of cheese or something. Um, so I knew that was coming, but then I was like, wait, maybe that's the wrong Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for the most part, oh, and actually, I was thinking back about, and I know I keep going on, but I keep finding stuff to talk about with this movie because this is this is one I thought I was going to have a lot of questions, and now that I'm thinking about it, I do. You know, the way they play the beginning, how the two Terminators come to be, you, it, he, he pretty much states from the beginning who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Because, uh, like, if you think about, if we if we think about the bikers as an outlaw biker gang. We have this guy come. If you're, if you're watching it as someone who understands film, then I think you could probably see it coming. Yeah. But again, it was the way it was marketed, and again, if you don't, if you aren't knowing that, it would make sense, especially if you're going into a sequel as like the bigger sequel that it's like, oh, now there's two Terminators. So it's like if you if you're thinking of it retrospectively it makes sense. Like, oh, he attacked the bikers and the other person killed a police officer. Obviously, the one Actually, who attacked the I bikers don't think is he kills a good him. guy. I don't think he kills the police officer. I know literally everybody, everyone thinks this, but the guy is like on the ground moaning as he's putting the outfit on and gets into the car. So I don't think he's dead. So I took some, gotcha. I took some solace in that. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, even even going off of what you, what you said, it's like, oh, well, there, there you go. Neither of them kill anyone, so it could be up in the air. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it's uh... best scene though. Best scene, and I will put that this is the best scene in the movie. When that guy's like, "You can't just take that boy's bike," and he like, goes, "You think he's gonna like choke the guy?" And he just takes the sunglasses to complete the look. That's well. Best I also scene. like the just the way he snatches the shotgun out of his hands. Like he doesn't even need to kill him. Just doing that scares the guy enough to like back make him back down. <laughs> I thought we were gonna do like a Wonder Woman, like Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four thing, where it was like he crushes it and goes, "I hate guns" or something like that. <laughs> nah, he loves guns. He's a Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> is he a Terminator yeah, or is see? We have the Terminator and then we have the Preserver. But uh, yeah, no, like so this this movie um. And that's the other kind of cool thing is the pacing is great. Like mm-hmm. there's never really like it, that, there is like some breathing room, but like after like an hour and a half of the movie, like right from the get go, it's like, there's not a lot of like wasting time. Like it's just boom, boom, boom. Next thing happening. And I would argue and, that most of the extreme things happen in, uh, well, at least a far, far of like actual violence happens in the first part of the movie. There's lots of explosions and shootouts, but not, violence later in the movie for the most part yes exactly all of the most shocking scary stuff like the uh the parents getting killed and stuff like that happens early on but uh like early like so around christmas of last year i called this along with die hard like one of the platinum standard action movies like one that you should see if you like action movies or if you want to write action movies yeah 
Um, another one I would consider platinum, I might consider for next season. Uh, but what did you, it sounds like you liked this. So, so this was one that you I, did I, enjoy. I enjoy, I enjoyed this movie. I would recommend this movie. I just wish it, it, it sounds sad. It sounds bad, but I wish it hadn't been as popular as it was. So that I could kind of get more of the full experience of seeing it for the first time. I know time. what you mean. I know what you mean. I hate, dude. Like, it's a double-edged it, sword. It is, it's something that pissed my dad off when I was a kid. Because, like, it's not just this movie. It's, like, all popular movies. There's a lot of really cool, like, moments that you really shouldn't have ruined. I mentioned Star Wars before. But I will say, like, anyone who's ever heard of the show Recess that used to be on Disney. Yes. They did an episode that parodied 2001 A Space Odyssey. And so they straight up tell you the whole twist about Hal being able to read lips. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw 2001 A Space Odyssey, my dad was like, watch this part. And I was like, he's reading their lips. And he's like, what? And I'm like, this has been parodied on a, on a cartoon <laughs> show I watched. And he was like, that it was fucked up like that that well, ruins it. it is, it's like, the you know, and I, I agree, like to an extent, it's like, you know, to it is a part of pop culture and. It's like, yeah, if you haven't seen Terminator by a certain point, maybe you're living under a rock. But there's this weird thing, and that's part of the reason, you know, we do spoil movies on this show, but we try we and tell you make ahead sure of time. You know, yeah, it's it's you know, in our opening. I, honestly, it's in our opening. <laughs> well, well, and honestly, like I, I don't know if I've said this on our show before, but maybe this is the first time. Like, I would recommend if you are a fan of our show, I if you think you want to hear us talk about a movie watch it first along with us. And we do try and watch things that are available on streaming when they come out. So if you won't see an episode that you want to hear us talk about, but you haven't seen the movie, I recommend see the movie. Like I know some we end the show with like recommending or not recommending, but if you don't want it to be spoiled, yeah. but you do like hearing the show, I'd say check it out. And lately our track record, we've been recommending more movies than we've been saying past. Yeah. So it's like, I don't it's, know. It's, we're, it's pretty, we're trying it's not to safe bet. We're trying not to be that professor that you and I both had where he would basically read the DVD information from the back of the box and spoil the twist in the movie. That's the thing with that class. I, I at least, ugh. at least American it's not, dad. It's not that it's at least American dad had the had had the class to say like he's like he says and I love this because it's so funny. He says he was like it's like when I went and saw the Sixth Sense and promised never to reveal to anyone the twist at the end that Haley Joel Osment's the same kid from AI. <laughs> and it's like it's it's not See, the, that's like that's it's like you know there's a twist but not ruining it for everybody. That's funny, but, like, also, I mean, hey, there's an Adam Sandler movie, Fifty First Dates, where they straight up reveal the twist of that movie at a part, like, where, um, you know, so a character's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he was a ghost at the end. And it's just, like, why? Why are you, and like, it's to the point where I kind of hate referential humor, like, the sort of ones that you see in Family Guy and American Dad, because it's, like, there's no joke. The joke is, oh, I recognize that from this movie. And that's not that's not a punchline. That's like a, a oh hi, I watched a movie. Well, for the know, most man. part, it's a, it's a, it, for the most part, in my experience, a lot of the stuff I'd seen referenced and parodied, I didn't know what it was. But when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, this looks familiar. Oh, this looks so. It's not like I went into this knowing A, B, and C would happen. It was like, oh yeah, okay. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Okay, and and then he's gonna get shot. For and sure. Get... So I I'm okay with referential humor, but I appreciate referential humor that knows. I mean, especially nowadays, people are very anti spoilers for the most part. Um, but 
for the most part, I think there's like an unspoken rule now, and at least in some, at least in some circles that I've seen them do TV where they do where they reference stuff that they don't spoil anything, you know. Yes, and 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 again, like I don't think, I think it's just because referential humor has gotten really lazy. I'm not saying there's not a way to do it, um, but it's just again, it's like is the joke? Oh, hey, that was in Terminator because that's not funny. You know, it's like it's as much as like uh, the op- the the opening greeting for this episode. It was cute, but I wouldn't say it was like super funny. Yeah, <laughs> you know? um, it's like in the Le- and, in and the Lego the- movie, in the Lego movie, uh, Wild Style when she greets Emmett says, "Come with me if you want to not die." And exactly like that's kind of clever because yeah. it's like, oh, she said the thing, but she also screwed it up. Like, that's at least something. Yeah. And also, like, you know, like the whole thumbs up sinking into the butter in American Dad, that's kind of OK, too, because it's like it doesn't spoil a major plot point or something. Well, it, like, it does. I, it does a thumbs up and then he rotates his hand and it's the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. There you go. It's like a joke, at least like the joke is like, oh, anyway, um, but I know what you mean. It's, it's the frustrating thing is it's not the movie's fault. Yeah, it's, not. it's like the people who were so untalented that they needed to talk about the movie to seem cool. And I'm not talking about American yeah, Dad. Yeah, we I'm like American like, Dad here. <laughs> well, the early yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's at one, well, and that's I mean, it's just the the abundance of yeah. it, and 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 it's not just this movie too. Again, it's like technically 2001: Space Odyssey was sort of ruined for me. It didn't bother me all that much as a kid. Uh, and I don't think it took too I much still, out of I the I still movie. have an axe to grind about Sixth Sense. I'm still mad. I'm still mad AF about that. <laughs> well, in in same thing like Star Wars, you know, it's nice that everyone has seen it and everything, but the you're kind of ruining the movie for, like, at some point someone hasn't seen the movie. Yeah. You know, babies are born all the time, and I'm sorry they don't come out of the womb having seen Star Wars. So being like, Luke, I am your father cute you know but it's not that funny and it's also like i don't know it's it it does i i understand where my dad was coming from because it is an irritating and it's like what are you what is the point of you talking about this kind of thing but uh but i am glad besides that you i i enjoyed it i I, like i said my like my biggest complaint was just that it was too popular too too influential (laughs) and uh, it, it, like I said, it did, like, it wasn't spoiled, but it was just, you know, there wasn't really suspense for me, but I enjoyed it. The story was interesting. The characters were interesting. I really liked the fact that John Connor, who's kind of a snot at the beginning, turns around when he realizes the stakes. Something about that is kind of cool to me. I, th- th- there, th- there was just, th- there's there's almost nothing to hate in this movie. Like I said, my big thing has always just been collateral damage, but that's a me thing. That's not a movie thing. Technically there was more collateral damage in Titanic. That's, and, that is actually and... true. But again, that's one of those blind spots I have. Well, I'm like, well, it's rough. Like when you, when, <laughs> like when you and I went and saw, um, uh, uh, hotel Mumbai, there is so much in that, but it's, I it's mean, telling his story. It's telling last... events though. Well, like, you know, not last week, uh, last episode, but again, like Poseidon Adventure, tons of collateral damage in that movie. (laughs) That's and I don't know. I know what you mean, though. It's like it's 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 like a disaster rather than a killer robot. Right. It's different. Now, if if, if, if somebody had come on the ship and we 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 walked up to everybody and stabbed them individually, I uh, that would be a little more disturbing to me. (laughs) Anyway, this yeah, this is definitely a recommend for me. Um, obviously it's a recommend for me. Really? This is like one. Are you sure? It sounded like you weren't fans of it. 
<laughs> this is obviously like a movie you should see. I don't think you even have to be like an action fan or a sci-fi fan. It's just kind of one of those movies that's got something for everybody. Yeah. And it's still aged well. Except like, that's for romance, kind of the nice there is thing no about romance. The simple C- well, and that's the cool thing about the simple CGI in this movie is because it's very bare bones, like it hasn't aged well, or I mean, it has aged well. It looks good because there's not much to it. Oh, he looks like, that's what I was saying, <laughs> you know that, I mean? he looks like that Silver Surfer guy from that really bad um, Fantastic Four movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he does. But I'd actually, um, I'd actually agree with you. The effects aged very well. There was nothing on there that I was like, "Did this pass at one point?" Like I remember again, when I because saw, it was super simple. Yeah, well, use twins. Well, I, exactly. Well, like, <laughs> I remember when I saw Titanic for the first time in theaters. They brought it back for the hundredth sink anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic, and there was the scene, you know, where she goes, "I'm flying," and they pan over the whole ship, and I was like, "Oh my god, has it always looked this bad?" <laughs> Oh man, but um, but yeah, super recommend from both of yeah. us. Seriously, if you know the location of John or Sarah Connor, please tweet us their geolocation. We are not we terminators. Very much appreciate it. We have we're not being controlled. Shh. Okay. <laughs> we just want to have a talk with them. That's we all. We just I just want to have tea with them, that may or may not have arsenic in it. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks for hanging out with us guys uh next month is summer camp month Woo! Uh, so maybe you'll even be able to guess the uh the next movie just take a look at the calendar and maybe pay special attention to the dates yeah maybe something that's will pop all up there just make sure you get you have your sleeping bag and your hiking boots and don't bring condoms because sex isn't allowed. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. But until next time, guys, stay thirsty. Uh, thanks for chilling with us. If you're watching this on YouTube, feel free to like, subscribe, leave a comment if you like. Um, Anywhere and, else, yeah, do what? Do you. the equivalent elsewhere because I don't know how those other platforms work. <laughs> but we will catch you guys in the next one. See ya. Reels on the Rocks is a production of La Prince Laboratories. It is edited and produced by Alejandro Castillo and features original artwork by Ace Esparza and original music by Pat Mars. Follow us on Twitter at Reels on the Rocks and tweet at us with any movies or topics you'd like us to discuss in the future.